Okay. Hey, Gundam Maniacs, welcome to the Gundam Explained Show. Uh, this is episode uh, 110, so that's pretty cool. Triple digits and then in the double digit sub digit category. I, I don't know why I'm saying that. That's not a thing. I, I really got to start keeping track of the episode numbers the way that you do because being, you know, having over 100 episodes of the Gundam Explained show is a pretty, pretty big milestone. Yeah, no, it, it, it is pretty cool. And I um, had trouble uh, initially, like, keeping track. Actually, it is hard. I look at the last thumbnail I make in Photoshop and I see where the numbers and I'm like, there we go. Or actually, no, it's when I'm exporting it and I look at what I've saved. Um, but no, it's... Uh, no, no, it is um, August 24th, um, glad to be streaming again, it is getting near the end of summer, although it doesn't feel like it, really, um, uh, yeah, so for today's show, uh, let's see, we're gonna talk about something kind of Gundam related, in a way, I, I don't think you guys would disagree, it's that Armored Core 6 game coming out, um, just look at the reviews on that, I, I'm, I'll probably be streaming it here on the uh, Gundam Explained channel, maybe tonight, nice. um, if I can get it running tonight. And then um, we'll also talk about some other things. Uh, there's a new Metal Robot Spirits coming out of a variant of the Double Zeta that I, I don't know about you guys, and I know I almost say this with every Gundam, but it's like the coolest looking Gundam I've ever seen. <laughs> Honestly, I prefer the color scheme, the, the chest decal, yes. all of it looks better than the actual double zeta okay cool i'm glad you think so yeah we'll, we'll dive into that and, and take a look at it um and then so kunia okawa i'm really bad at that you know the original artist of not of the character designer but of the, the mechanical designer of the original yes. gundams apparently and i could be wrong but this is what i'm reading he just released like real type uh marking uh, uh, colors of the seed Gundams just recently. Oh, interesting. But in his old style, which that's actually really awesome. I, yeah, because we've think, seen so many like Verkaz of the Kunio Ukawara designs. You know, there's, a, there's yeah, a, that's right. There's a Hajime Toki version of almost everything that uh, Okawara did. But like, it's nice to see him kind of like, all right, I'll see you yours and I'll redesign it back at you kind of thing. You know, and and even look at it, I almost prefer the way it looks because it has more of the chunky robot look. But we'll we'll look at it in a second, see what what um chat thinks. Um, yeah, I probably should have mentioned this like last week, but um anybody who is on Jake Parker's mailing list, uh, Jake Parker has a Kickstarter up for his you know giant mecha art book that's like a collection of all these different mecha that he's drawn some of them are obvious ins inspiration inspiration drawn from you know macross and gundam and stuff like that in his mailing list last week he actually did a top 10 ranking of like the top mecha designs in his opinion um and the the rx78 2 took number one obviously um but you know some some other honorable mentions included like the ATST from Star Wars and like uh, the Evangelion, uh, whatever, the Evas. I, I, I never watched Evangelion, you know, shoot me. <laughs> yeah, I know, same here. I, I've mentioned that in a previous video. Um, but yeah, maybe bring that up on your next live stream because that might be a cool one. Yeah, speaking of live stream yesterday on Hatters, it was pretty cool because we were going over some like super baseline basic Gumpla tips that 
Like, even for me, it's, like, some things where you can just use things around your house. You don't have to go buy stuff, and you can, like, do some really cool stuff really easily. I thought it was a really neat, uh, a really neat time to, yeah, talk about some, I got some ideas out of that. Especially that, 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 um, metallic green Sharpie. Oh, yeah. Can't go wrong with, uh, with Sharpies and Gumpla, but, um, but, yeah, I mean, it was funny because it was, it ended up just being, you know, we had, like, a confined list, but then we kind of expanded on it and, you know, opened up a little bit more of a discussion, so that was a lot more fun. Yeah, the, the biggest takeaway, too, I got out of that was that GM command on that Tokyo base uh, RX-78-2 body. That was, that's, like, the coolest-looking is very slick design that you I, I honestly with. didn't expect it to look as cool as it did when I was throwing that together so it's it's the proportions of the head with the body because on the GM command that chest is a is big but you don't really that doesn't really call out to you but then seeing it on that rx78 two body that's more of a streamlined body yeah, yeah looks good um you know uh yeah before we get started in all of our topics I was gonna cover um any Gundam stuff we got into this week uh, Steven, anything or Gundam adjacent? Gundam adjacent, yeah, yeah. That's it's funny because you know you mentioned Armored Core Six, and um, if I see that meme, this is now an Armored Core server posted on my Discord server one more time, I might just flip. <laughs> but uh, no, actually, I did do something interesting yesterday. Uh, I posted on you know various social media that I finished building the Bondock kit here and you might notice i already detailed it a little bit with some um neo zeon paraphernalia that was the 3d printed one no so this actually you know that back when bandai released those kind of uh builders parts upgrade kits they have like a sheet that is just logos uh and crests um i think i've uh i don't know where i put it but it's got like a Xeon crest, a Federation crest, and it's got a Neo Xeon crest, like the sleeves one. They don't have a Shars Neo Xeon crest, which I was a little disappointed by. Well, after melting several of the of the actual ones uh, in various attempts using a lighter, using a heat gun, and then eventually trying to use acetone, I eventually just ended up using some Oyumaru and made a stamp mold and cast the part in like some soft clay that allowed me to, did to shape it around the the curvature of the of the bound dock so i think it's gonna look pretty sweet when it's all painted gold and wow dude that that's pretty cool yeah i can't wait for you to paint it um now are you gonna hand paint it or spray that's a good question i guess it depends on the extent of the paint job we'll see what oh because you're still gonna map that out like, yeah, yeah, I might I might post some designs. Um, you know, there's another builder in the sort of community or with us, uh, uh, Gunplus Skyfire. He typically will post on Instagram like a little nine up kind of like the the Mega Man boss selection oh, screen. Yeah. And he'll have like the kit that he's working on. And then, uh, you know, the various the eight options of oh, color funny. scheme that he would go with. And so I might do something like that. And again, you know. It was the community that voted to go Neo Zeon on the bound dock, so yeah. I'll leave it up to the community which colors to go with, too. Okay, that's cool. That's cool. I can't wait for that, because I think that's going to be a sick uh, a sick concept in general, yeah. really. Like, I feel like you should then even do some fanfic and then oh, do yeah. a video. We're definitely <laughs> definitely going to have a story around it. But what yeah, about you? Cool. What, what, uh, what Gundam goodies have you gotten into this week? Gundam-related stuff I got into, and then I'll get into some Gundam-adjacent stuff, was when I was making my videos. So, like, um, 
Uh, you know, with the Detolf too, like I'm just, I'm, I'm proud of that, even though I still think there's people out there have cleaner looks to it. One thing I forgot to add in the video is that I've, I've noticed when I look online about people that have their Detolf shelf set up, they have like a riser for it. I actually on Amazon, and I should have added this in the video, I bought these legs for it. And I saw, you know, what the weight was of the Detolf and the weight of the legs, what they can hold. And then I took everything out, tipped it over and screwed the legs uh, on the bottom, picked it back up. And um, I, I think it helps where it's kind of raised just a little bit. Um, yeah. And the other thing I, add, I didn't talk about too is I have... I have a couple of these. It's a rubber mat I bought on Amazon. The cat, unfortunately, likes to scratch it, and it, uh, that disappoints me. But As cats like to do. <laughs> it's it's because if something ever falls or drops at the shelf, it, it will land on this rubber cushion. Uh, and it's smart. like a soft rubber, yeah, because that happened with a, a Metal Robots Wing Zero I had that I dropped, and the V-fin broke off, and uh, that yeah. disappointed me. I mean, it's metal, so it's heavier. Um but, okay, so, um, oh yeah, what was my other videos I looked at? Uh, oh, the Obscure Gundams. I thought that was pretty neat. In fact, yeah, I feel like I can make a video, it's like the hundred Obscure <laughs> Gundams that exist, and just name, you know, a whole lot. But no, Talos now, helped me pick obscure some. Obscure MS or just Obscure Gundams? Just because... Gundam. Yeah, just yeah, okay. Gundam. And even in that category, even though then there would be like the sub video of like, what is a Gundam? First yeah. of all. To then say that this is an obscure Gundam or not, but um, yeah, no, and then um, yeah, I was I reviewed that Gundam Evolve because I've watched it before, but now I'm watching it with the more knowledge I've gathered the past couple years of doing Gundam Explained of the Gundam universe, and I, like, and the community helped me out with this, but on that episode two with the Zeta Gundam, there was just a lot of misinformation in general, and yeah, you know what. I now come to accept that that happens with Gundam. Like, it, it, I feel like, especially with the older Gundam, it happens more often with, like, side stuff or, oh, like, yeah. side supplemental material about the world. And it's like, you know what? They That's so much to keep track of. It's There's a difference between the people making it and then the people that are nerdy about it. Yeah, because yeah, I was, like, trying to wrap my head around that that Gundam Mark II promotional video and I'm like why would why would the AU even produce something like this yeah. like it, it was a neat concept but wouldn't it be the Titans that would make a promotional video talking about the the Mark II and yeah. not the AU that was an interesting yeah I know I thought that I thought that was uh pretty interesting it was like because it was the AE uh, Anaheim Electronics video but of the Gundam painted in AU colors, you know, and it's yeah. like it wouldn't yeah. have worked that way, but nah, mm -hmm. I don't know. And it was um, up against Rick Diaz too, so like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, a lot of weird, yeah, a lot of weird stuff there. But oh well, um, um, yeah. So, but okay, another thing. So I I love watching Red Letter Media. I don't know if we've talked about them before. They're YouTube. Oh yeah, and they did a review of RoboCop too, um, and I love it when they talk about it and. And, you know, I'm part of, I'm, like, in their age group, I think we are, so, like, a lot of the yeah. things they talk about, a lot of times I gel with, like, the fact that they say, like, RoboCop 2 is not, it's, it's actually pretty good for a sequel, and it's almost like the same thing, and that yeah. it, um, 
it, it, like they talked about how they watched it more than the first one. And thinking back, I'm like, yeah, I actually watched the second one more than the first. And I don't know why. Um, I, I, I think the second one was a little toned down. Like it was when they realized that there were more kids watching RoboCop than adults because RoboCop one is brutal. <laughs> yeah, So that's it's a good point, because the second one still has all the bloody squibs. But in the first yeah. one, it will have scenes that are like overboard bloody squib so like it's oh, almost yeah. like yeah toning it down a bit and and, the, and so here's another thing you guys can judge me but you know i was showing my son the, the movies um because i had watched them when i was younger than him and i loved robocop i and i it's oh, funny yeah. i still have it in the attic and i now realize this is the oldest toy i have but they when robocop came out they came out with this like tall talking robocop and i remember that okay and yeah. Yeah, I still have that. And um, called for backup. Yeah, <laughs> it's like yeah. it's like your move, creep. <laughs> Drugs are trouble, <laughs> stuff like that. But um, it's so funny the things that they tried to do to get kids to not commit crimes. Like we're gonna make a superhero that's a cop, and we're gonna sell toys that tell kids to not do drugs. <laughs> and it's interesting because like it 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 always goes back to where a lot of times. Things are made for kids, but just but things that are just made for anybody, kids can really be drawn to, and they can still sort of get something out of it. Like after that, I loved RoboCop. I loved the whole thing of him stopping bad guys. You know, I mean, you know, and they had the TV show, the third movie, which I remember back then thinking the third movie I could tell it was tame, even though. But yeah, another here's the interesting. So the director of Empire Strikes Back directed RoboCop 2, and I did not know that for the longest time. He's just like the sequel doctor. Yeah, well, he also <laughs> did that James Bond movie, Never Say Never Again, which was with a different studio. Uh, and I don't know if you remember that whole thing where yeah. it was with Sean Connery, but it was because it was a different studio. And it's like, that guy is a good director because he knows how to take any material and then makes make it actually good um even if it's not revolutionary or he's not like a he's not like one of those idea artists that just comes up Irvin Kirshner right yeah Irvin yeah. Kirshner yeah it's like my favorite quote about him is the the Harrison Ford bit where they asked like what's the what's the biggest difference between working for Lucas and working for Kirshner and he's like well Kirshner's a little bit taller <laughs> I love that. Classic Harrison Ford. Yeah, um, it just makes me appreciate that guy as a director. Like, yeah. now I could see, like, you had Paul Verhoeven make the first one. Who do we make? Who makes the second one? And apparently they had another director and he fell through, so they went to this guy. It's like this guy knows how to take the essence of what something is supposed to be and portray it on screen in a quality manner. I mean, he was yeah. even able to copy the satirical, like, uh, American economy and, and, and news and stuff in RoboCop 2, you know, just like Paul Verhoeven would do in, you know, the first RoboCop. So, like, uh, I, yeah, I'm, I'm now amazed. I'm going to go kind of go back to this guy's filmography and watch more. Next thing you're going to tell me is that, like, he directed Predator 2. And yeah, I know. That. <laughs> Which, it's funny because Predator 2 is another one of those movies that it's like a sequel that's actually really good. Um, yeah. I mean, it took, like, this concept of the Predator and then... Similar to James Cameron with Alien, where it's like, yeah. you know, Alien was this kind of 
enclosed capsulated space just like predator was kind of just in the jungle isolated but then you know both aliens and predator 2 kind of opened up the world a little bit and you know i think is interesting about when sequels or you come out with new things it's like there's a lot of times where it's like well let's just make a sequel but you know it's got to be low budget so how can we make this where we're not spending a lot of money or not that it's low budget but it's like sometimes it might have more of a budget but it's only based on how much they think they're going to get so they're framing what the story is going to be based on the budget whereas a lot of times it's like well let's what if it was this scenario like gremlins 2 i think is another good example of an excellent That's an excellent sequel. excellent yeah. sequel it's it's like when these movies want to go somewhere else and you know what that's funny because like blade 2 is an example of where i still like the first blade better but blade 2 just went more into that action and gore fighting vampires in mass you know it yeah it yeah well There's, and like with the example of gremlins 2 like you mentioned it's it's when you have a director that can come in and identify what made the first one successful. Because when they made Gremlins, they weren't trying to make a comedy. They wanted to make like a scary horror movie based around Christmas. But then when they realized, oh, this is kind of like Evil Dead level of campy and silliness, they went full blow, full blown that direction with the sequel. So, so in in my mind, I always had an idea of a, a new Gremlins movie where. It's it's like the world has found out about them after the New York incident, and there's a place in Southeast Asia in the cave where the Mogwai uh, are native to, and then you start seeing people on social media streaming like them going there and taking them home, and then like local military had to come and try to stop people, but now people have the gremlins around the world, and then they're getting them wet, and then it goes from there. But and I would frame it like uh, COVID. You know, like what we were trying to do with lockdowns and COVID, but with the right. gremlins. <laughs> well, and, and again, with like the sort of misinformation stuff that goes yeah. around. I, I loved that scene in Gremlins 2 where the guy's kind of scoffing at it. And he's like, well, what if they are on a plane? And oh, yeah. Peanuts, but they cross over a time zone. Does it count as eating after midnight? Like, what's the I love the that. Rules? Yeah, it's almost like the the movie movie knew what it was. And yeah. Was, yeah, I love that stuff. I tell you, I, I bet there's when making a sequel, there's like these three ways that you can approach a sequel where it's like you do the same thing and just just make it just as good where you do it, but bigger or where you like you're self-referential. And, you know, I feel like uh, but, you know, and, and again, to, to top off this Robocop thing, the other thing I realized is I just recently checked out the Ghost in the Shell anime because, you know, once I realized I thought anime was cool, I watched Ghost in the Shell, but realized RoboCop is Ghost in the Shell. <laughs> I, I never made that connection until you said that. And I was yeah, like, wait it's, a second, yeah. It's, um... And what's interesting is RoboCop does a very surface level where Ghost in the Shell, the creators are like, that's interesting. Well, why don't they just go deeper about that? Like the thought of yeah. you waking up and then you're in this machine that makes you something else, but then like, were you something before? And then right. how does the human mind deal with that and memories? Yeah. And RoboCop very like, you know, it's obviously not a deep movie. It's it's an 80s action flick. So it's not going to start exploring topics like transhumanism and, you know, that type of cyberpunk um, aesthetic. Right. But I think that Ghost in the Shell obviously 
got a little bit more curious about that and started exploring those themes a little bit more. It's funny how this circles happened to me because it's like I'm watching this anime that I'm realizing, wow, this anime is amazing and these newer Hollywood action movies are taking inspiration from them. But then I'm realizing, wait a minute, there's all these yeah, American-made movies in the 80s and late 70s that inspired a lot of anime, you know, from Alien to Blade Runner to Star Wars. Oh, yeah. But then again, they probably got their inspiration, you know. It, it, there's always this back and forth, and I love it. I love, like, the cross-cultural inspirations that create, like, some of the coolest art, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, I mean, it, you see that especially in film, I think, because film is a media where, you know... <laughs> I guess maybe it's a little bit more easy to see where someone's inspirations come from. Like, you know, George Lucas pulling from Kurosawa and then, you know, you have something like Kill Bill, which represents that sort of secular motion where it's like, you have this Japanese story that plays on like kind of the American shoot 'em up style movies. And then Tarantino goes and says, I like that. I'm going to flip it back and make it American again. And kill bill. So it's very, yeah, there, there's a, a symbiotic relationship going on. It makes me think that, you know, there's a promising future for new stories being told in, in film. That I feel like lately there's just kind of – film hasn't been as interesting for me lately, and it just could be my age. But kind of Thanks, maybe – Yeah. <laughs> but it, it could be cool if they go back. Like, you know when I made that AI Gundam art, a lot of it looked like James Cameron slash, uh, you know – 80s sci-fi but what if they took 80s sci-fi aesthetics and and made it like you know then they kind of sort of do that with the star wars shows but not really um you know yeah i think that modern creators still are a little bit too poisoned by the by the technology that we have you know having the internet and having that's a good wireless communication and things like that i am a huge sucker for like cassette punk style 80s retro sci-fi where it's like that aliens style you know i don't i don't want people using disc drives i want people using cassettes and cartridges for like everything (laughs) yeah watching um bubblegum crisis which i'm on the last episode of the first series i love it it's like so good but i love it where she got this video and it, it looked like a cd but in a long flat uh cassette and then she had this device that's in front of her, and it's kind of flat, but then, like, the screen opens up, and it has a place on the side made to put the tape in. And it seemed archaic, but it looks so futuristic. Like, I, yeah, yeah, and I love... There was a movie, and I could get be getting this wrong, a movie called It Follows. Does that sound familiar? Yeah. And I they had... Did you Do you remember where they had that weird, old future tech? Just sometimes, like the watch? Yeah, it was kind of strange the way that that was kind of worked into the, just, yeah, it was just like, randomly worked in there. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I kind of like that idea, but I wonder if that was trying to tell the viewer this is like a different reality. I never thought about that. Maybe, maybe so. I mean, there's a lot of things, and, and this is one of those kind of issues that people have nowadays where it's like, I imagine our kids are going to be watching movies where like, you know, well, why didn't James Bond just take out a cell phone and call them and say that there was a bomb on the, you know, there's like so many of those things. that's like, wow, we could have solved this if we just had a phone, but you know, and that's one of the beautiful things that I I have to respect about Tamino and Gundam is that it anticipated those problems of 
technology advancing where it's like, okay, maybe wireless communication is going to be a thing in the future. But when we get so far into the future that there is a plot particle that interrupts that type of communication, now all of a sudden we need psychic communication to break through that barrier. So you're right. I love it. And that's one thing that makes it the, the world believable that pulls me in. It's like, oh, yeah, these characters are really having to go through something that even I could relate to. It's like, oh, man, I can't use this type of communication that even, you know, when they would the mobile suit would put its hand on another one to communicate or shoot the little communication cable. Or yeah. I think there's even a part where was it full frontal was going against the rebel, um, ship and i think like because they disperse Simonovsky, like his beam weaponry was not working or something oh yeah yeah like so it's yeah i, I gotta say props for coming up with that Minovsky plot device as you say because yeah. it it actually does help in a way where it explains kind of how science is where we advance we find particles we use we can to manipulate things and it makes the story go yeah further um but yeah, speaking of Gundam, let's move on to actually something that's not related to Gundam. So actually, you know, <laughs> never mind. Um, <laughs> it's tough. You know, you and I were talking about this yesterday, how it's been sort of a slow Gundam season yeah. um, just this month. You know, it, and, you know, part of that's due in part to the ending of Witch for Mercury. It's the ending of Gundam Evolution. You no know, new there's games. Just, yeah, yeah, no new games, yeah. no new... Um, no new content out there except if you count kickstarter comic books i don't know that's <laughs> yeah that one uh it actually i think it officially launched yesterday i i think mm -hmm. and it's at seventeen thousand out of 80 so that's actually not bad that quickly um yeah usually when it comes to like crowdfunding you'll see the, the the largest spike is when it starts and then you know there's usually like a spike towards the end as as it's coming to a close so we'll see how what, what the final total is but it's funny because it's we talked about before. I think it's not something I'm interested in, but I would love to see it succeed. Just so more Gundam, yeah, yeah, yeah. So and it yeah it, it puts me in the in a pickle of like, well, you know, do do I contribute to the Kickstarter just so that I can, you know, throw throw my hat in the ring, or do I? count on the community to to take one for the team <laughs> yeah, but but so yeah your, to your point there's been such a lull in Gundam stuff that like I've kind of gone back to like just playing a bunch of different video games which is my yeah. first love gaming and so like um on my blue gamer channel I have been actually posting consistently on Fridays I've been doing a live I'll do another live tomorrow where it's like all the gaming news that's all in my head I just speak my mind on it but that's awesome um, Armored Core 6 is supposed to drop, and that's a mech game made by FromSoft, who does the... Um, that's like your two greatest loves, is like Mecha and FromSoft. Yeah, in fact, you know... Uh, uh, hold on a second, I'm trying to... I'm trying to do uh, a review on Unicorn, the game on PS3, because that was From Software. Yeah. And, and it is actually pretty cool. I just haven't really had time to dive into it. Um, but... So, Armored Core... Which I played a little bit back in the day, but it wasn't my thing until, like, the Xbox releases I, I sort of liked. I think it was PS3 also, but I was mainly a 360 guy. Um, because they just, there's something about those 360-era games that I love. They're just, like, schlocky action games. Yeah. Um, so, 
GameSpot's giving it an 8 out of 10, and this is Armored Core 6. Destructoid, 9 out of 10. Inverse, 10 out of 10. IGN, 8 out of 10. Eurogamer, 10 out of 10. I mean, 10 out of 10 is pretty insane. VG247, 6 out of 10. Um, wow, that's a... You know what? I, I appreciate that there are some honest reviewers out there that maybe are, you know, I don't know, maybe not just riding the hype on it. You know, they're going to try and give an honest assessment. Because I, I totally 100% believe that it's only because of Elden Ring that Armored Core 6 is being as hyped as it is. Because the other Armored Core games never had hype like this. Yeah, well, and it's also been like a decade since there was an Armored Core game, whereas, yeah. you know, Souls-likes Souls, Souls -likes have been yeah coming out kind of consistently, so... Yeah, because for me, it would be... I remember when they would have their releases, the latest ones being on Xbox uh, uh, 360, I would be like, oh, finally, another cool Japanese game for me to play that no one talks about. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I think, like, that whole From Software... And, and that's the thing, when they first announced Armored Core 6, everyone's like, oh, cool, they're going to make, like, a Souls-like version. Oh, it's, and it's like, no, it's going to be a From Software game, but it's not going to yeah. play Souls-like, and even the reviewers say it does not play like a Souls game. It, yeah, I mean, I, and, it, and it shouldn't, because, yeah, you know... It, it's a, a different thing. game yeah. is not, like, a, a boss fighter. Like, it's just... It, it's two different genres. Yeah, so... Yeah, I, I just can't wait to play it because I love mechs. We don't get enough mech games that are mech that feel like it's about the mech. You know, sometimes yeah. it's just like there's a mech in it or there's a robot, but I I should be playing it tonight. And if I and I don't really have too much planned, I should be streaming it and I'll post that I'm gonna stream it and I'll play like the first level or two and look at the mechs and see the customizations and all that. And then I'll probably do a more deeper dive. In terms of like a review on my Blue Gamer channel um, later on, like next week or something. So, and that's fair. Yeah. So, so. That, 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 that kind of begs a question to me, though. You know, when it comes to rating and reviewing video games, you know, it's a bold statement to say something is a 10 out of 10. Yeah. So, what would, what would be your standard that is the 10 out of 10? Like, what would you consider the criteria in order to achieve? the best score it's it's so good question so back when i was doing blue, my blue gamer blog regularly i reviewed uh doing something that acg now does but mine would be buy try avoid and so i would okay. by the end of it i would say you should give this a try whether that's renting borrowing um, stealing <laughs> forget a sale i think is a good like you know yeah a way to try it if there's a sale uh for yeah you know that's funny though i i do not see an issue even though in practice pirating is, would be illegal but to try the game to see if you want to buy it i think it makes sense especially when we're like what do we want to spend our 60 or 70 dollars on you know, I think that the art of the game demo is kind of lost. Like, I, yeah. I, I used to love having demos and even just demo discs. I think, like, one of the old PS1s came with just a demo disc of, like, 10 game demos. Yep, that's right. And I ended up playing the heck out of it, like... Yeah, but it's come back It it just recently. Like, there's a new Toxic Crusader game coming out, and there's a demo. <laughs> there's uh, this... That RTS, I did a... a a quick look of on Blue Gamer, uh, Tempest Rising, they have a demo yeah. out. Um, 
I wanted to try out Ghost Recon Breakpoint, and Ubisoft has these five-hour demos for their games, which is pretty crazy. But it's because their games are so big, they figure after five hours, you'd want, you know, some more of that, uh, you know. <laughs> You're invested pretty deep after five yeah. hours. I mean, that's... Well, um, I, I love, like, the whole speedrunning community around, like, the five-minute demo of Ocarina of Time that was on Super Smash Brothers. Like, the, the fact that there was a whole, you know like a whole community around a game demo yeah. which is just silly i love that i love that because it's like a piece of specific art and then people are like totally figuring it out breaking it apart you know um yeah, transformative. But, but when it comes to reviews I, it to me it's interesting like if it's going to be like an out of 10 thing i think it's very case by case and personal because there's games that i would give like gbo2 I would give that a 10 out of 10, even though I know there are some flaws with it. Like, sure. you know, um, I'm trying to think of some other games. Like, Breath of the Wild, to me, that's a 10 out of 10 game. Um, like, the Ninja Gaiden on Xbox, 10 out of 10. Company of Heroes, 10 out of 10. This, like, the new Halo Infinite, I would almost just give it a 5 out of 10, because, like, it was good, but just lacking in content, so there was not much there. Even the yeah. single player was a cool open world single player, but like I got through that faster than I wanted to, and then there was not much to it. And it's like half of it is good because it's a well crafted uh, mechanic of first person shooting. But yeah. then that the missing five would be like, but it's not doing anything interesting or fun, you know, um, in the world. And um, what's another game that I just beat recently? Oh, like the Sniper Elite games i would give all yeah. those tens because it's like what i want out of a game like when i go into the world i can choose what i want to do and it's open world but they have it set up where there's crafted areas you run into it's not like a, a ghost recon or a division where it's just there's a group of enemies right here shoot them you know yeah it's, exactly yeah that's interesting so i guess you, for me, and it sounds like this is similar to to what you're saying, is for me, the probably most important thing when it comes to giving a game a 10 out of 10 is, is the game mechanic enjoyable and fun? Would you play that game if it were a different genre, a different... Because, you know, everyone gives like Red Dead Redemption 10 out of 10s, and I'm like, I hate Westerns. <laughs> Oh like, yeah, that's you know, that's a good point. Yeah. Despite the fact that the world is so rich and engaging, and the story is kind of cool, you know, there's so much to do and so so many different like micro mechanics of the game. I'm like, if, if this were a sci-fi game, yeah, I'd love it. Or if it were, you know, a samurai game, I'd love it. Um, which I think um, Jam Cow X mentioned, uh, Ghost of Tsushima, great game. Um, but yeah, you know, I just hate Westerns, so. <laughs> point Because like, even when I was playing Red Dead Redemption and I played a little bit more of the first one, but even the second one, it's just, it wasn't my thing. And I, I, I don't want to say I hate Westerns, but I just don't care to play <laughs> in a Western setting, I guess. But because the mechanics yeah. seem to be there. Like, and, and yeah. this is a good point you bring up when it comes to like the setting. And I think it's a Venn diagram of both setting and mechanics. Because, for instance, oh, yeah. Gundam Evolution, it's a Gundam game, but I have no desire to play it. Right. But, but I guess it's more of hero shooters in general. So the setting isn't going to get me to play the game, but the mechanics 
could get me to play a game, but I wonder if there's a game that had good mechanics that I didn't like the set. Yeah, and then we're, yeah, we're talking about Red Dead Redemption, so I think it could go both ways. Sure, yeah. And I think that's kind of a good thing because that is we're able to really hone in on what we like and spend time with what we like. So, Definitely. Starfield. I'm somewhat excited about it, but yeah. past games made by that developer have been way more narrative-heavy to where I'm tired and bored. And fantasy. You know, I, I know that fantasy is not like your... Yeah. Because, I mean, spoiler alert, chat, but he's never watched Lord of the Rings, so... <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, just... Yeah, that's... Yeah, no, a, I mean, but that's a great point. And, like, you know, if, if, if Starfield is just Skyrim in space, does that, does that, you know, kind of, um, what's the, what's the word I'm looking for? The, does that move the needle for you, you know? Yeah, I, and I'm curious. It's really gonna be if, and I was playing another game that did this recently, and I can't remember it. But it's like if the beginning, it's constantly having me do linear walk to this guy. He's going to tell you something. Walk here. They're going to tell you something. Walk here. They're going to tell you something. It's like, I just want to explore. And good good call. I'm not into the fantasy setting, but I love the Souls games because yeah. they just have amazing mechanics. So I will play them. Also, Dragon's Dogma by Capcom. That oh, awesome okay, mechanics. Yeah. I love that. Um, and I think Armored Core... The only reason I'm playing it is because it is a mech game. It could be after a few levels of playing it, I'm like, yeah, it's just okay. But yeah. I feel like that Front Mission Evolved uh, game that came out like uh, around 2011 or so, I forget. It was not a turn-based game. They decided to make a action an game action instead. Game, yeah. it, and it was a serviceable... I had a fun time. I've beaten it once. One of the most awesome last bosses in a game ever. On, honestly, I think many people have not experienced it. Um, but I really only played it because it was mechs. And yeah. playing it, it's just okay. But it keeps me because it's okay and it's mechs. It's very interesting. I, I like how there's not a cut and dry, I like this, I don't like this. Yeah, yeah you know, and, and I'm glad that you could come up with examples of, you know, a game with a setting I don't like but mechanics I love, a game with a setting I love with mechanics I don't like, and. You know, here's another one. And I think, and tell me if uh, I'm wrong here. I think it's easier to play a game in a setting you like, but the mechanics are just not there than it is to play a game with good mechanics, but in a setting you don't care for. Like the G.I. Joe blackout game that came out a couple oh, years yeah. ago. It mm -hmm. is like a budget, but it was, it was G.I. Joe and it had decent <laughs> combat and you could switch between <laughs> Snake Eyes and, and Duke and all that. So like I had fun. I mean, I think it depends. I think it depends on how much you love the setting. Yeah, because, that's true. You know, for instance, you know, you and I both love Gundam, but neither uh, of us really got into Gundam Evo that's because the, that's very true. The, the gameplay yeah. dragged down the setting just that much. And that, you know uh, what? The other thing too is I've noticed this when games are kind of a one-trick pony, like a just PvP shooter, like that's even harder to like. If if Gundam Evolution had like a single-player campaign. With its that mechanics, makes a huge difference. I would probably play through the whole thing and unlock yeah. everything there is. Honestly, yeah. I think that a Gundam game in the style of the Lost Planet sequels would oh. be pretty sweet, where it's like a, a co-op campaign and you you know you have a multiplayer lobby where people can drop in and 
that yeah, Lost Planet sweet. Two is so so underrated. Uh, yeah, I, underappreciated. I don't know what the word is. I mean, even like how some of the there's and I posted it somewhere recently where there's a mission in Lost Planet Two where you can combine mechs. Like two people could be in these different mechs and combine into one. So and awesome. I know, like, and it had like that train level. I'll always remember where like. Aren't you like first you're chasing after a train and then once you get on it you're fighting on it while the guys are trying to shoot at you? Yeah, that's and that you know that's such a overdone kind of trope I think in yeah. movies and video games. But once you introduce that element of like, well now there's two of you and you kind of have to yeah. look out for each other while you're on the train, then it's like adds a whole another layer layer of complexity and excitement to it. So. I the only thing these... I didn't like was that one level where you're kind of stuck in a like a corridor and it's just those two giant eyes shooting fireballs at you from oh, either side. Yeah. <laughs> they had some, yeah, when they were trying to change up the mechanics for like the levels or whatever yeah. sometimes. Yeah, I tell you, like, I really feel like something happened with multiplayer games where they went the wrong direction. And I really think it had to do with more of the the moment to moment dopamine hit instead of. I don't know if you ever played Siphon Filter Omega Strain. It was the... F it no, was... I didn't get to that one. Okay. The original Siphon Filter loved that game, but... Yeah, Omega Strain had co-op where, in a map, players would go different directions to do completely different things. Like, one guy's like, okay, I need to get the laptop out of this building, but it's on fire. I can get in by going up on the ambulance. You can lift them up to go on the ambulance, but before he breaks in... The other guy has to go to, I think, the turn off the water because I think the idea was oh, yeah. it was going to cause the sprinklers to come down so they can grab the laptop before it, it gets overrun by water. So the other guy had to go and turn off. Like, it was stuff like that where you would split up and do things different places. And, and that's cool, yeah. but, you know, it's convoluted. And what ends up happening is it's a very, like you said, it's a linear solution. Yeah, you know, it would be yeah. a lot cooler if it were a little bit more freeform and you kind of had options for how you wanted to approach the problem and solve it as opposed to a prescribed, this is what this player is supposed to do, this is what this player is supposed to do. It's like in these games, like, you know, and I use Division as an example because it's, Division is a very linear multiplayer game, even though it's fun, but it should be where there are these maybe platinum rewards you can get by doing really specific optional objectives you know like it, it should be kind of like you know like in destiny you know how destiny kind of i haven't played it in a while but it kind of has some obscure things you can do in multiplayer um yeah but, i honestly haven't tried it yeah destiny uh yeah it's uh, that's a whole other discussion it's like <laughs> i felt like that i felt like they went too far in that dopamine hit type of shoot shoot numbers numbers yeah what loot did i get instead of, like, how to approach a mission, you know. And that's why I like Sniper Elite 5 co-op in that whole mission where you can have someone that comes in as an opposing sniper somewhere in the map. And That's so awesome. Anyway, oh, lots of video game talk. That is for another time. Um, yeah, sorry, I derailed us. No, <laughs> I could be doing it forever. I, I can't help it. Um, yeah, that's Armored Core 6. Check out my channel later. Um, I'll be streaming it. But... Okay, here's what's really sick is... Finally some Gundam. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> no, but uh, one of our supporters, Tom, he posted this uh, in Discord, um, I guess, yeah, hints of this 
a prototype Double Zeta Gundam metal robot spirits, which is totally the type of thing I like, the metal robot spirits line. But this prototype one, I, and I was about to say, it looks like the best Gundam design I have ever seen, but I say that all the time. <laughs> right. Um, you see, this is where you need to scale down your 10 out of 10s because you're giving out too many 10 out of 10s. Exactly, exactly. Um, <laughs> 10 out of 10 Gundam. But looking at this, this has, I, I almost feel like it's like one of the coolest looking robots ever. There's it's there's so much going on for it. Like it's the chonkiness, the proportions where it's not too slim and humanoid, but it's not like an abstract robot. But it's yeah. got like fins in the right places. Um the colors too like there's something about there's a lot of black to it in in a way where it really contrasts great against the lighter color the the um the yellow and then also yeah. um a cool thing about it is it has a ship mode which i love that stuff and oh yeah um let's see i wonder if they've got a better yeah, there aren't a ton of great images of it, which that's one of the, the reasons I'm excited about there being a robot spirits of it, because now we're going to be able to see it from a lot more different angles. And it could be in GBO too. I don't know, but I love you brought it up, but how it has the emblem on the chest, the upper chest piece. Like I always so nice. love that look, like how Thunderbolt does that with one of the GMs where it puts the. That little yeah, cross the federation something. symbol there. Yeah, is that uh, what is that called? Just the federation emblem, or is there? An... That's all. I mean, that's all I'd call it. Because then there's the V that's on crotches. And <laughs> yeah, what's that? Crotch V. Yeah, you know. So, I wonder if that's what makes it a Gundam. If it has a crotch V, no, because there's a lot of GMs with it. But a yeah. GM well, is. And a then Gundam. there's the uh, the turn A doesn't have a crotch V. It has a crotch pit. Ah, that's right. a crotch pit. Yeah. <laughs> Pit. Um, yeah, anyway, I love this look. And so the, yeah, apparently this one, I think it was posted in Discord, but it's actually coming out in February, and I think it's going to be like at 200 or something. It's going to be kind of pricey, although the Metal Robot Spirits tend to be pricey. Like, I got the... Yeah. I got the Double Zeta Metal Robot Spirits, and that one was under 200 and then the Zeta was $150. Um, although I think one of them actually wasn't the Metal, um, and it was just a Verka. Yeah, this yeah this is a cost signature, so that's cool. Um, I gotta say, this is now in my top five as of uh, August 24th, <laughs> um, in the hour between 11 a.m. and 12 p.m. Central. Yeah. Um, and this would be a fun high grade project for somebody that is, that, that is not overwhelmed with projects like I am, <laughs> you know, get yourself a, a high grade if... double Zeta and glue across to its chest. It doesn't seem like that ex even exists. Yeah. As a high grade. Um, wow. So do some huh. fun stuff with, it. wait a minute. I, it searched the wrong thing. Hold on. Let me do that again. there's something about the double zeta i love the look i don't know it, it seems like at first glance it's not a cool suit but when you like look at it it's like that's cool yeah it's um 
what what do we deem the quality as? It's just Gundamness. It's it's got a high level of Gundamness yes. to it. High level of Gundamness. Yeah, it has it has to do with that face. Like the face evokes the original RX seventy eight too, but then it like it just goes full on with the geometry. You know. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Speaking of designs, so yeah, this is that thing about Kunio Okawara. So, and it says unveil Freedom Gundam and Justice Gundam real type colors, but like, and I'm reading this like just now, and that's fine, but I, I think that's pretty awesome actually that for as long as Seed's been out, it's like he's still doing this stuff in his yeah. signature style. And I will say they even look better than the actual seed designs just in terms of the proportions yeah and i'm a big fan of the uh of the justice so oh, i cool. i really actually love this alternate color the other one's purple right yeah yeah it's like a, okay. like a yeah pink. That, that's true i do like this color too yeah i i know we have a lot of seed fans in here and we've grown to love destiny um uh, but I will say these design. There's something about it where they're a little chonkier, you know, with their proportions. The head is a little bigger compared to the body, and there's something about that with the heads. Like sometimes I feel like a Gundam design will have a head that's too small, and I yeah. think larger is better. It's a, it's a bit of a turnoff when you got a small head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're good at that. Um, but uh, but no, I mean I and, and I love that he broke out like the old color pencils and did the classic art style for these, you know. And then I guess they have a um, what are these called? The G frames that are going to oh, be released yeah. of them. Which, to be honest, the G frames are pretty cool. Just they're they're. It's almost like you know I, we with your video yesterday we we're talking about like baseline tips to up your Gundams, like. Sometimes your your high grade you can get away with doing just a little, but with G frames you even even if it's just simple stuff it it's night and day when you detail a G frame yeah because a, a base G frame looks too much like a capsule toy um, right until you but they've uh, got so many panel lines and so many like creases and crevices yeah honestly like just giving them a wash or like panel yeah. lining them goes a really long way I think yeah you have to panel line. Um, those actually look pretty cool. I'm I'm gonna be honest. Um, let's see. So these items are gonna be shipped. Uh, I'll have to look that up to see if those are gonna be. You know what? But that's the thing. I try not to buy anything that's non-UC. But you know what? Do it. Do it. Makes you happy. It's the UC designer, so you know that's like UC oh, yeah. adjacent. <laughs> that's true. He's taking that kind of UC aesthetic and adding it into yeah, with the real type. So yeah, I think that's pretty cool. Um, Let's see. Anyway, yeah, I think that's it with the um, yeah the, the news stuff. You know, not much else going on. Again, yeah, we've talked about that, but it could be pretty soon we get the new Battlelog shows. Uh, UC Engage is going to be coming out, which with that next 100 uh, project, you know, that UC Engage is part of. I wonder how far in the future you see engage is going to go and is it going to start going into stories and redo animation for like yeah victory or f91 that would be pretty be pretty neat. cool yeah i mean the fact that they're bringing it over to uh to the west is a huge indicator that they're not going to stop service on it anytime soon so 
is interesting thinking about that. They're doing this Kickstarter, bringing over UC Engage. Like, what? what's more telling about what this news about this live action movie? Like, and then there's the writer strike, even though they said that they've already got something written. Yeah. But then there's an actor strike, so they can't have people act. I, I yeah, I wonder. Um, and you know what? I wonder how good this could be for some projects. Did you ever see the movie The Marine with John Cena? No, I didn't. Great movie. Okay. Actually, oh, okay. And what's cool about it, though, and I and I read about this later, is the movie got shelved for a year. So in the meantime, uh, the special effects people were just constantly tweaking like the frames of CG. To make, so when you watch it, the CGI explosions look really good. Um, <laughs> and did you ever watch Peacemaker on HBO? No, I don't have HBO. Ah, okay. But I mean, I am a, I I do enjoy a John Cena flick because, you know, he's yeah. got a great sense of humor and no, all yeah. that stuff. Well, it's cool because... In in the Peacemaker show, like Robert Patrick, you know, of Liquid yeah. Ma- Liquid Terminator fame, is like a main antagonist, and he is in the Marine also. So it's like John Cena and him play against each other in these two different roles. It's pretty cool. But I well, what I, what I'm getting at is I'm hoping they're taking so much time with this live action Gundam movie. I I'm thinking it's gonna be good, even if it's not what certain people want. Yeah, I would I would rather something get delayed and get a better product in the end than rush something out the door just because people are anticipating it. Um, and that's what's been going on in the video game industry. They're releasing games that aren't ready. And then, you know, there's been like layoffs. I think EA just announced layoff like a third of their Bioware team or whatever that was working on. Or yeah, the team that's working on Dragon Age, the new Dragon Age game or something like yeah, these, yeah, the game developers don't really, you know, th- and there's no strikes going on there. You know, maybe, Surprisingly. yeah, maybe that needs to happen because it, it seems well, like they pump so much money into these games and then they turn out flat. I think it's a, there's a personality difference there between developers and people who are used to getting a lot of attention for their work. You know, developers are kind of the unsung heroes of the video game universe, whereas actors and writers get all the plaudits, they get all the, you know, the shout outs and the praise. And so they tend to have a little bit more of an inflated ego compared to the dev that's hunched over their (laughs) their computer for 18 hours a day and then Finish this off real quick. I don't know if you heard the controversy about the Starfield start screen. <laughs> I did, yeah. I, I'm a big fan of Mark Kern, so... Um... I am too, and he, because he comes at things like we were just saying. Take your time. Full, I, I don't think the lack of a start screen means no, anything, no. but... There is that level that Mark Kern takes games at where it's every aspect of the game has to be incredible to the player. Even if the start screen, if it's just something simple, it should be something that, you know, you, you think of. That's part of your pipeline. Because ultimately, it's like if you don't care about one thing and it's the first thing that the char- that the player is going to see, then what else don't you care about in the game? And, you know, that... He- I think he even elaborated to say, like, look, I'm not saying it's a bad game. I'm just saying that this is a, a red flag to me. And yeah. it should be to, to to everyone. You know, it's like 
Um, and that's that doesn't just apply to video games. I mean, how many movies do you go and watch in the first five minutes are just terrible? And it's like, you don't even really care if the rest of the movie gets better. If it doesn't hook you right away, then exactly they didn't they didn't care enough to to put that that effort into it so you know that that was yeah so anyway yeah i think that's about it for today thanks everyone that's joined the gunham explained show live again this is uh, this has a podcast form too so if you want to like listen to it later if you didn't catch the whole thing podcast will go up the next day um also check the links in the description you know steven's page is there i'm there on wednesdays we have a lot of fun but, but also, I forgot to mention, there's a contest going on in the Gundam Explained Discord. It's the Gundam Poser Contest. There's a, a channel in there just called Gundam Poser. The idea is just screen, uh, take a picture of your Gumpla or Robot Spirits, post it, and then people will react, and the, something that gets the most reaction will, will win something. Um, I'll, I'll send something, but also our social media admin, Ashley, who was on the last uh, Gundam Explained live show, will also contribute to that too. So, um, yeah, I totally misunderstood what that channel name meant. And I went in there, started making fun of people and like, it was, (laughs) (laughs) I know. that's why I I used that name. I liked, uh, kind of the double entendre there with the, there you go. Gun imposer. But, um, yeah, so cool. Um, yeah. Thanks everybody. Uh, hope you all have a good weekend and we will talk later.